Welcome to Musketeers Made, the official podcast of your Sioux City Musketeers. Now let's get to the show with your hosts, Connor Ryan and Travis Morgan. Welcome into Musketeer Made, presented by Fremont Tire. I am Connor Ryan, and he is Travis Morgan. Hi, Travis. People can't Hi, see us waving, except for on the YouTube channel, I guess. It's going to be uh, confu- it's going to be a confusing day. A lot of Travises involved in the in this in this session. There are a lot of Travises. Our guest is Travis Turnbull today. We have Travis Morgan, who's always hosting it. I guess you're you're just Teamorg today. Yeah, uh, that's... but uh, or Trav. But anyways, uh, did want to quick mention uh, since this is dropping on Monday. Uh, Friday coming up, Musketeers home opener against the Waterloo Blackhawks, a 7.05 puck drop. But uh, we got big stuff planned ahead of it. Uh, the biggest party in town uh, on Friday night. It is a party on the plaza here in front of the Tyson Event Center. Before we take on Waterloo, uh, kind of like what we had last year, we'll have a live band, Ultraviolet Fever is coming out. We got food trucks. We have Slapshot Alley, a uh, bunch of prizes that we're giving away as well. Bouncy uh, houses for the kids. Don't forget about that. Bouncy houses for the kids. That's that's the key thing right there. That's the big. See, I don't have kids, so like to me, I was. I I know, and that's 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 why I stepped in. That's That's why why I stepped in for you. That's that's why that's why you're here. Uh, (laughs) And now, of course, we also uh, have the Musketeer Walk. So uh, this is your chance as a fan base to, as the Musketeers enter the Tyson Event Center for the first time this year. For a game, you get to high five them, wish them luck here this season, uh, as you know, kind of like what college football teams do. You know, players walk through the line; they they do it at Nebraska, and they do it everywhere. So, yeah. uh, you know, that's that's what we have going on, kind of a college football atmosphere. So that's coming up. Tickets are on sale. Uh, come on down to the Tyson Eventers, Event Center box office. Give us a call uh, or visit us here at the Musketeers office to get your tickets for opening night. Hockey is back in Sioux City. Uh, Kind of probably feels always weird to say, but it it always comes around, and yeah. here we are. So uh, year number 52 will be off and running on Friday. So just wanted to mention that at the top of Musketeer Made, presented by Fremont Tire. Now we get into the reason you actually tuned into this podcast, and that is to introduce former Sioux City Musketeer Travis Turnbull. Travis, how is it going? Gentlemen, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Things are doing great. Just down here in southern Alabama. That's got to be, uh, I mean, a, a desert of hockey, right? I mean, how much hockey is there in Southern Alabama? Uh, you know, I was looking it up. One of the first things I did when I decided to move the family here from this job uh, was look up where the closest rink was, and I found it. It's in Pensacola, Florida, which is about 40 minutes from my house. Uh, so it's not too bad. So is it? would you consider your area a hockey hotbed? Or it's pretty non-existent here in this area where I am, to be honest with you. It's uh, football is life, football, baseball, uh, softball. My my daughter is uh, playing 8U softball here, and it's, it's pretty serious. And uh, I'm really proud of her for never really swinging a bat or doing anything other than playing catch with me, kind of jumping into it. Uh, she's doing really well. It's it's a lot of fun. But uh, does, she, does she skate? 
she skates. Both of my daughters skate. Um, you know, they were skating a bit, a bunch over in Germany. They had really good like youth programs for the kids uh, over there. So yeah, they've been, they got their hockey gear as well. And they got the rollerblades here down in Alabama. Uh, yeah. We're not, we're not staying off the skates. I'll tell you that. <laughs> to, to be fair, our equipment manager, Damon Wheeler, he's from Huntsville, Alabama. I think. Okay, yeah, absolutely. So, well, I mean, I mean it's only a matter of time before hockey, you know, gets all the way down here. It's bigger in Huntsville. It's blowing up in Florida, you know, with Tampa Bay winning so many championships and uh, you know, the Panthers going to the Stanley cup finals. It just makes more kids excited about it and uh, educates more people in the game and gets more people watching. So it's a good thing. But that has to make you a pretty popular guy around town, right? When they have hockey questions, like go ask, go ask Travis, go ask the, the hockey the guy. Res, he's the resident hockey guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I don't even know if too many people even really know. Um, but, you know, one of the dads on uh, my daughter's softball team said the other day, he's like, you know, there's other ex-NFL players around XMLB. I think you're the only ex-NHLer, and that's pretty cool. Was like, yeah. Well, take it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a different, different, uh, pace of life down here. Um, definitely, you know, didn't think we'd end up down here in Alabama, but it was a great opportunity and, uh, we can get into it later while we move down here, but, uh, we're really enjoying it so far. So give some background on our guest, Travis Turnbull here on uh, Fremont tires, Musketeer made. He started with the Sioux city Musketeers in junior hockey with uh, in 0304 season. Um, went on to play two seasons for us here in Sioux City, uh, played in at Michigan for four, and then turned pro and was was in the NHL, then went over to Germany. Uh, he's been all over the place. And the funny story about Trav is, uh, the connection that we have is, my first year here in Sioux City doing sports uh, at KMEG was covering his team. Uh, that, that was his first year here in Sioux City, so in 0304. So, um uh, it's been a, a ride where you've been all over the place, but let's start here in Sioux city, Trav. And you were a part of a pretty good, pretty good run here in Sioux city. The guys that uh, had a chance, made, made some good runs in the playoffs and everything else. It, it was a fun time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I have so many fond memories of my time in Sioux city and uh, truly grateful for that time. We had a great team. The team won the championship the year before I got there. Um, yeah. And then, you know, that next, you know, my first year there, um, we had a really good team, some really good young players, uh, you know, Tim Kennedy, Justin Bustrom, and uh, Chris Butler, and, you know, some guys that, you know, really went far. Uh, we lost in the playoffs that year. Um, and then so Lincoln, I believe. Uh, I think it was, yeah, maybe it was Lincoln. I think it was Lincoln because they had, they had uh, Ryan Hole. And Jared Bull. Well, we beat them in the playoffs the next year when we went to the championship. Uh, we had a couple pretty good uh, line brawls, if I remember correctly. Yeah, De Dennis, Dennis McCauley and everybody else. Oh yeah, my boy Dennis, um, tough, tough guy. Uh, man, he was tough in the American League too. He fought everybody. He was always willing and. You know, I just have so much respect for Dennis as a player. But, yeah, we had great teams. You know, uh, Dave Siciliano was a great coach. And Marty Quarters, the, the man who brought me to Sioux City, uh, was great. And it was an integral part of my career. And, uh, 
essential stepping stone, if you will. Uh, it's, it's interesting because you played with some, mentioned playing with some good players. Uh, Stephen Camper, who played on the, in the Olympic team here uh, and also played in the NHL, was also on that team. What do you remember about, about uh, Stephen as, as a player here in Sioux City? Well, Stephen and I also played together at the University of Michigan as well. Yep. yep. Uh, so I played with Stephen for a lot of years. Um, you know, it's incredible the career he's had. I'm not uh, surprised in the least bit. He's uh, He's got a great talent and a good – you know, mind for the game and uh, works really hard. And he's a good guy. You know, a lot of people don't realize too, uh, you know, how big of uh, having a long career and, and going really far, uh, how big it is to be a great uh, person and teammate. You know, it's, it's really important uh, to be a, to be a great teammate and a, and a good guy. And Steven is that for sure. Uh, one of my fun Steven Camper stories is, and we'll see if you remember this, but, uh, it was in that Lincoln series. You're playing, you're playing Lincoln. And Camphor had probably been in maybe one fight his enti- that, that entire season, you know. And they had hole and bowl. And both of them had over 300, like over 300 minutes in penalties that, that year. They both got yeah. them all the time. And I remember it, things started getting chippy. And Stephen Camphor dropped his gloves against Ryan Hole. And – when the hole dropped, he like he actually looked at Camper like, "Are you are you are you serious? Do you really want to do this?" And Camper's like, "Yeah, I want to do this." And I mean, bless Stephen's heart. I mean, he, you know, he he was willing, and that was yeah. great. But but you just knew like the kid bit off more than he can chew. But I don't know if you if you remember that fight or remember that exchange or not. But it was it was one of those deals where you're like, "Wow, okay, good for you." I guess you know, I could I I, don't, I couldn't believe he, he was doing it. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember that fight in particular, but, you know, it's, I think that's a testament to Steven's character. Uh, that he, you know, he'd do anything for his teammates. And uh, I do remember Ryan Hall very well and, and Jared Bull. I believe I fought both of them multiple times. Uh, it was always a battle uh, against Lincoln. Uh, they had a great, great uh, squad there, too. I was, I was actually telling my daughters the other day um, – so I put on my girls always want to get pumped up before their sports. And I threw on like jock jams the other day and uh, thunderstruck was on. And I was yeah. like, girls, you wouldn't believe it. Lincoln has, you know, this song going on with everybody chanting thunder and uh, you know, the smoke show and stuff. I said, I used to get chills, you know, in the starting lineup, uh, you know, before those games there. So those, those were always fun. I remember the, tough playoff series we had against them the year before, you know, we advanced into the finals and um, yeah, it's great. So many memories. It's bringing back so many memories. It's so awesome to be on here to talk about Sioux city. Cause even though it's been, you know, I guess 19 years since I've been there. Yeah. Uh, it still seems kind of like yesterday to be honest. <laughs> I want to ask you about, uh, cause I feel like it's, it's actually interesting. It, it pertains to, you know, both last year's team, but also the team we have, you know, this year coming off a Clark Cup championship. Talk about the the culture and the DNA that was kind of passed on to you, you know, the following year. And also the, the pressure and expectations there were to, you know, follow in the footsteps of, of that team. Yeah, I mean, so it was actually Sioux City was a place that I chose to go because they won. Uh, you know, I was lucky enough to have some various – uh, tender offers. And, you know, I wanted to win because of that. Cold. You know, I wanted to go there 
for the opportunity to win because of that uh, culture. I remember coming to Sioux City and watching that team play that year uh, and sitting in the stands at the uh, the old odd there. Yeah. You know, they had really, you know, that obviously they had the makeup for, for what it took. And then coming in as a young guy, um, you know, with an older school coach, just, you know, there was a lot of respect for the older players and the, and the guys that, that uh, had been there and, and won the championship and, and there should be. And I wish there was more of that in today's game. Uh, but there was definitely that uh, swag, if you want to call it that, that, you know, we went into every game expecting to win. And uh, I think that's really important. And it was important for my, my mindset going forward as a you know, leader later on in, in my career. You played under Dave Cicilliano. You talked about that old school coaching. Uh, give me a great Dave Cicilliano story from back in the day. Oh gosh. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to, I mean, there's one that's pretty funny that I, I can think of off the top of my head. This is a podcast. Uh, so you, you can cut it loose. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, have all the respect in the world for Dave and uh, his wife. They're, they're great people. And, you know, he was a, he was a really good coach in my opinion, but I remember him coming in all, all pissed off. Uh, of that. Uh, after a period in Omaha, <laughs> he came in, you know, of course, you know, like, like, you know, sometimes, you know, games aren't going your way and he came in and kicked the bottom of the trash can <laughs> and uh, hurt his foot and was kind of hopping <laughs> around and uh, I was having a hard time. I remember having my jersey over my head, you know, like that because I didn't want to laugh because he was right to be upset. Uh, we didn't have the... Uh, the start that he wanted and, and that uh, he expected of us. And uh, it's just a funny, funny uh, story that I'll, I'll never forget. And I remember looking over on the bench and he had a big bag of ice on his foot. And it was just, uh, it was only funny because we came back in the game and won. It, nice. If we would have lost, it wouldn't have been funny. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, gosh, there's, there's a, you know, a lot to say about Dave. Um, you know, he, he expected a lot out of his players, and um, I think that's really important, you know, to, to push you to – he pushed us in the right ways. And, uh, you know, looking back now, I respect him even more than I did at the time uh, for the things that he did. You know, even bringing along, you know, guys like, you know, myself and Tim Kennedy, um, you know, making us kind of earn our way that first year. Um, you know, in my head, I thought I should have had more playing time. But looking back, I think he did it the right way. And, yeah. um, you know, I'm grateful for him as well. Talk about how the, how the game has changed so much from the time that you were here to what it is now. You know, when you were here, um, fighting was still very prevalent. I know that you, you were one of those guys that was not afraid to drop the gloves, you know, and, and we had guys littered throughout the roster that were willing and would go looking for it as well. You don't really see that. Um, now as much. Um, can you talk about that, just the difference in the way, get, I guess, the game is played? And do you think there's a need for fighting in hockey? Is, is there a purpose for it? Yeah, so I'll start with saying yes, I believe that there's a purpose for it. Um, you know, fighting kind of polices the game, you know, where we have the ability to, you know, if somebody's taking cheap shots or doing things that, you know, they shouldn't be doing, they know that there's a good chance that, you know, they're going to have to, uh, 
you know, stand up to it, you know, at some point that they're going to get challenged if, if they're doing something uh, that we don't think is right or, or that we don't necessarily like. Um, so, you know, there, there's a lot of, you know, for people that have never played the game or maybe haven't been a fan for a long time, new fans to the game, um, hockey can do, or fighting in hockey can do a lot of things uh, like change the momentum in games. Like we don't just do it for fun. Um, you know, I certainly wasn't just out there running around trying to, trying to look to fight for no reason. There's always a reason behind it. Um, and, and some of those reasons are they're taking liberties on, on some of your smaller guys or some of your skilled guys, or, or maybe they're just up in the game and you're showing that, uh, you're not going to quit. Um, and that, you know, there's going to be a pushback and they better be ready the next game. And it's just a way to hold people accountable. Um, on the ice, you know, playing over in Europe, there's not as much fighting as well. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I, there's a place for it. You know, I, I do think it's a good thing that, you know, all the guys now that, uh, you know, fight can also play the game and, and nothing against, you know, the old school um, fourth lines where, you know, when I started playing in the American League, pretty much the entire fourth lines were fighters and, uh, man, there were some, some tough customers are out there, but you know, they were only playing maybe, uh, two minutes. So I kind of like, you know, the way it's going now where, um, they're, you know, everybody can play and everybody can contribute in a lot of ways more than just fighting. Uh, but I do believe fighting is important for the game and it's something that, you know, I've done, um, a lot, <laughs> but I've always done it for good reason. Um, some of the re actually hilarious story, my buddy, Troy Brummett, I don't know if y'all remember Troy, uh, we played together in, uh, Sioux city, my first year. And I remember we were in, uh, actually the only time I got my nose broken in a fight, um, of all the fights I was ever in, we were up in Sioux falls and, uh, this guy asked Troy to fight and he goes, Turnbull fight you. And I was like, what? And by the time I turned around, I believe it was Menzioni or something. Uh, he had his gloves dropped. And I was like, all right, well, now I got to go. You know, I'm not going to, yeah. I'm not going to stand here and say no. And Rummer, you know, I respected him, older guy. And before I even had my gloves off, I took one of the nose. He broke my nose. and uh, I think it only pissed me off more and came back in that fight and, Probably hit him about 20 times after that. And, uh, but that's probably the only time I ever fought for not a reason in my career. And, um, but yeah, I, I think that there's a, there's a place for it for sure. What is your favorite fight story? Is that, is that it? Or what's your favorite fight story or, or the time that you bit off more than you can chew? Well, I did get in a uh, fight with Kevin Westgarth. Uh, I was driving the net in Manchester, and I don't know if you guys know Kevin Westgarth, but I believe he's about 6'7". Uh, this was in the American League. He's a, and you're not 6'7", Trav. You well, are not. <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, I'm almost 6'1". Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he had some size. You're giving, up, you're, giving, you're giving up quite a bit here. Oh, and he was a heavyweight, heavyweight. Yeah. He fought all the, all the toughest guys in the world. And uh, he grabbed me, pulled me up, you know, from uh, I was kind of on my knees in the crease there because I was driving the net and uh, got one of the D-men cross-checked me from behind in the, the goalie and, and he grabbed me and started 
spinning me around. And uh, I stood in there and, you know, took a, took a bunch of punches off the back of the head and tried to throw a few. And when they were throwing me in the box, he got, I believe he got two, two, five and a 10 and they gave me four minutes. And I was like, no, <laughs> Kevin West, Westgarth, and you're not going to put that on my fight card. <laughs> I could have died in that fight. Um, but uh, there's that. You, 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 needed the, you needed the public record. You had to have the yeah. public record. Yeah. yeah, well, I'm still telling everybody I fought. <laughs> it counts. There's got to be some video evidence out there. It counts, man. Yeah. We're, we're, we'll give it to you. We'll give, yeah. we'll give it to everybody, you. Everybody, you know, just so you know, I fought Kevin Westgarth. Yeah. <laughs> I want to ask, well, why, why did you think there's not as much fighting in Europe? Is it the European way or is it just well, you're all professionals or – no, well, when I went over there, it was uh, two and ten for a fight. They just changed it. Now it's five, but then they limit the fights, um, so you would get suspended, you know, after three tens over there. So um, I was kind of—I I believe I was averaging maybe one fight a year over the years over there, um, if that. Uh, but over in Europe, it's—it's it's different too. You know, there's. You know, usually if you are fighting, you're fighting another North American guy. Um, you know, occasionally it's just a different culture that we grew up in and played in as opposed, yeah. um, you know, to them and the, and the way our juniors are as opposed to their junior system. Uh, but I'll tell you, German hockey is getting better and better all the time. And it's it's uh, I'm, I've been really impressed with the development over there. You know, if you look at Stutzla in, in Ottawa, he's a player I played against over there. And uh one of my line mates, Lean Bergman, just played for San Jose Sharks a couple of years ago. Uh, also, a really good player. There's, there's, they're coming out with better and better players all the time. Warren Sider, uh, there's lots of them. So, when you think about your time here in Sioux City, oh, fondly, I, like, like, what are those memories of, of Sioux City for you? And and what was what was was it a special place in your life in your time? Yeah, it absolutely is a special place. I. I you know, still think about Sioux City often. I, I try to follow the Musketeers as much as I can. Uh, being over in Europe, being seven hours ahead, it was always tough to be able to have the chance to watch the games. But, you know, I check the box scores. I'm always checking in on you, Muskies, if you're listening. Nice. Us uh, alumni, I love to support the, you know, the team. And um, I'm always rooting for you guys. And actually, Riley, um, I coached him in uh, spring season and AAA spring for St. Louis Blues and uh, back in St. Louis a couple summers ago. Uh, so it's cool to see him, and I like to follow him. I actually just told him good luck for the season a couple of days ago. Um, but, yeah, oh, my gosh. I mean, I could sit here and keep you guys on here. Uh, all day about, you know, my time in Sioux City and the friends I've made. You know, we mentioned the, the people that I keep in contact with. I mean, I keep in contact uh, with just as many guys from my days in Sioux City than I, than I did from any other team except, you know, maybe Michigan, and it's probably pretty close. Um, you know, we mentioned Dennis and, and Louie and uh, our uh, Justin Bustrom and Chris yeah. Butler and Tim Kennedy. You know, me, Kennedy, Butler, and um, Dennis McCauley, we were all in the Buffalo system at the same time. Uh, Kennedy's family uh, was amazing to me. 
being in Buffalo, always letting me stay with them. Uh, you know, when I went up there to skate before training camp, uh, Timmy had a great career. Butler, you know, as well. These guys played, you know, full time in the NHL. Uh, there's just and, and if I forgot any of you guys, uh, I apologize. But I love you all. Love those teams and have many fond memories just hanging out. You know, whether we were at, uh, you know. One of the guys' houses in South Sioux, or we were in, you know, South Dakota there, or we were, you know, hanging just in Sioux City. We were always hanging together, and you know, it's important to to all hang together and and build that team camaraderie and that culture. And and for the guys playing now, and uh, it's make sure you're a good guy and you're good to your your teammates because there's. Uh, you know, there's a good chance that you'll play together in the future and you can help each other out. I know Digger Kennedy helped uh, put me on the radar with Buffalo. So thank you, Digger, for that. Um, and, uh, you know, you create many lifelong uh, friendships and, and, you know, it's truly been special. Wanda, uh, you mentioned you coached Riley Brook. I don't know if you had a connection as well to uh, – Another former Musketeer, I think he finished uh, second most games played in franchise history. And Ben Duran, who also, like you, hailed from Chesterfield, Missouri. But also talk about that. Uh, I mean, I don't know how many people would think of St. Louis as kind of a hotbed for hockey. But obviously yourself, Riley, Duran, uh, there's a lot of players that have uh, made that path from St. Louis to Sioux City. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, St. Louis, when I was growing up, uh, there was no – I don't believe there was anybody that played in the NHL at the, at the time that grew up in St. Louis. I think Pat LaFontaine had lived there as a young child and then, you know, moved on. Uh, but, oh, my gosh, St. Louis hockey has, has grown crazy. And there are powerhouses, I'm sure you know, now. And, you know, we were kind of those first um, – you know, generations and, you know, a lot of that attributes to the, the Blues alumni and uh, their involvement and guys like Lloyd May and, uh, you know, his involvement. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, I even tried to give back, you know, I mentioned uh, going out there in the spring and, and coaching these young kids and just trying to, to talk to them and, and give them some, you know, different point of views. And it's tough, you know, when you're only there for, for a couple months in the summer to really be involved. But, you know, I truly uh, take pride in trying to help younger players. I, I did that, especially later on in my career as a veteran and, and captain uh, for the teams I was playing for to, to pay it forward. And I'm always rooting for the guys, uh, you know, from St. Louis, especially if they're Musketeers. How cool is that? Uh, Bobby Gassoff. Uh, and my dad were just inducted in the St. Louis Hockey Hall of Fame a couple of weeks ago. And me and Bobby were talking about Sioux City and how he paid the, uh, paved the path for me uh, with Sioux yeah. City, Michigan. And I remember looking up to Bobby, um, you know, for what he did. And, um, you know, stuff like that is really cool to look back on and, uh, you know, have somebody there as a mentor. Because I don't care what you do in this world. You need a mentor for whatever it is, you need somebody uh, in your corner. And, and, you know, for any of the, you young guys uh, on the Musketeers, don't hesitate to reach out to me for any, you know, feedback or input. Um, 
I'm happy to help at any time if you if you uh, you know want me to to look at and watch some of your games or something like that. It's uh, something I I really enjoy uh, giving back and, and especially helping out the Musketeers. Is coaching in your future? Then you mentioned kind of giving back and watching tape and. Um, you Not know, Alabama. <laughs> uh, you, you know, I, I love what I do here um, as a mortgage banker in Alabama, but, uh, you know, I, I would like to be involved in hockey at some capacity, uh, for sure. Um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see in the future here what kind of shakes out, you know, with that, you know, even if it's just, you know, something uh you know part-time or helping helping kids you know consulting or something or i i don't know but you know i would like to be involved in the game in some way i'm, I'm still um you know always actively following all my my buddies who are still playing and uh the teams i've played for and, and rooting for them so uh it's not out of the question but you know uh, what i'm doing here in alabama as a mortgage banker i really love it uh long story short I've been investing in real estate uh, for almost a decade now. And you young guys start start thinking about, um, you know, investing or, or things about hockey after hockey because I don't care if you play in the NHL for 20 seasons, there's life after hockey. So find something you're passionate about. Um, real estate something I found a passion in, and I developed a relationship with the lender I've been using the last six or seven years. Uh, the company I work for does amazing things. We're licensed in, you know, 50 states, and um, they've just done so many great stuff, uh, things for me. And so we were talking over the years. I said, you know, come down to Alabama and check it out and, uh, you know, see what you think. Uh, if you'd like to come work here after hockey. And came down here last summer and decided it would be a great fit. And so we moved the family down here now, and um, it's it's been really enjoyable. But of course, I'm always still following the game, um, and you know it's it's a little weird right now not uh, not being in a locker room. Um, I gotta say, you know, now that the seasons are starting and like games are popping up on uh, you know my phone and notifications, where usually I'm just checking out my buddies and seeing how they're doing um, and getting ready for my games. But um, it's a great great uh, job here and. You know, we have a locker room type environment in the office here, so I'm very happy. What's it like for you? How has that transition been for you? Because let's face it, as you mentioned, hockey players, it's what they do from the time they're four or five to the time that it's done. I mean, you're, you're pretty much all in. That's all you guys have known for yeah. that many years. And you, you, know, you were pro for 15 years. So here you are in your 30s, you know, um, and – that's all you know, and now it's time to go essentially join the real world, if you will, like, like the, the, the business world. But what was that like for you to actually have to, first off, admit to yourself that I'm done with hockey? Because that had, that had to be hard to, to yeah. actually throw that pill. But then be, yeah. be move on and, and figure out a plan of what's next. Like, cause like take us through that scenario because that has to be really hard. Yeah. So, um, you know, luckily, like I said, I'm passionate about real estate. I've been in, investing in real estate for, you know, almost a decade now. Um, actually, a lot of hockey guys, you know, kind of gravitate towards real estate uh, for one reason or another. 
Um, so, you know, there's a, there's a lot of guys that I've been, you know, doing stuff with in the real estate world in the off season. Um, my, my wife and I have, uh, you know, we've been doing, you know, flips and living flips to buy and holds and stuff like that. And, you know, I go to the gym in the mornings, um, in the off season, and then, you know, you have the whole day. Um, so, you know, especially even before we had children, you know, we, we, um, didn't want to just waste our time in the summers, just, you know, going to the golf course or laying by the pool. We, we wanted to do something constructive and we got into real estate and, you know, I've always known I wanted to be in, in uh, real estate and, and, you know, and hockey in some capacity or vice versa. So I started thinking about that in uh, around 2017, I had a wake up call. I was playing for the clone sharks in the DL and I was just had a, couple really great seasons and um, as a hockey player you know that there's a day the day is going to come when you have to retire right like you know that talk about you know shelf life however for some reason you know in the back of your mind you just don't think it's going to be today and you know the reality is you you're, you're always an injury away from you know your career being finished and I remember I had a really bad groin injury and, and it just wasn't getting better. And I remember thinking this could be it. Like, what am I going to do? And uh, a guy on my team was investing in real estate. I thought that was really cool. Um, he told me about this podcast and gave me a couple of books. And uh, if you guys have ever heard of the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that book got me started uh, from Robert Kiyosaki. And uh, I would, uh, recommend anybody if you're looking for a book to read it's it's really great on financial literacy um and that got me started and, and, and from every season um from then on you know we were buying properties in the off season but then solely focusing on hockey during the season so um and to not run on here uh too much about it you know this relationship developed with the the president and uh you know owner of the mortgage company here and um you know, we just, you know, decided it would be it would be awesome to work in something that I'm passionate about, and uh, it just is a really good fit. So, how uh, hard how hard was it, Trav, to to officially though pull the pull the pull the plug and admit to yourself that it was over? I mean, talk about that process a little bit. Uh it's still hard, Trav. It's uh, it's still hard. Some days I wake up and uh, you know you it, it's it's almost like you've. I have to tell myself that I'm not a hockey player anymore somewhere. Yeah. You know, it's something, you know, with my dad playing the national hockey league for forever and, and growing up and wanting to just be like my father. Um, and, and even in school, everything I did as a kid was drawing pictures of hockey and yeah. every book, you know, I was really everything you've ever known. It's everything you've ever known. Everything I've ever known, everything I ever wanted to do. Um, and, um, yeah, it's it, it's hard. I'll be honest with you, uh, but there's a lot of people out there that you know have gone through it that you can reach out to. Um, you know, one of my my best friends since growing up, Michael Davies. Um, he played in Lincoln. Uh, we've been talking about it for a couple of years. He's been retired for a couple of years. He's like, Trav, you know, it's going to hit you when the season starts. You know, when we initially came down here to Alabama, I was all excited to come down here, live by the beach brand new house, new job, you're busy. Um, 
But yeah, of course I miss the game. I think I always will, um, even though I love what I do and I truly do love what I do. But when you're a hockey player, it's it's in your identity, and I don't think it's ever going to go away. But um, it, it it is what it is. You can't play forever, no matter who you are. No, so, it's true. Um, but you know, you look back and you just got to be grateful for everything that you've been through and the places you've been and the people you meet. Um, and, and for the guys that are, you know, get to the end of their career, um, I know it's easy to say because, you know, I had something that I knew I was going to do after retiring, but there's so many hockey guys out there that are willing to help and, uh, talk to you or help you find jobs or, or just be there to talk about it. So, um, yeah. That's my story with that, man. Some days still, I'm, you know, I uh, can't believe I'm not a hockey player anymore. But I get up at 5.30. Well, I get up a little bit before 5.30, and I go to the gym every morning because my body's so used to uh, working out. And uh, I think that's a really good thing that I, I'm taking away from the game. So <laughs> staying healthy. Uh, talk to us about your your debut in the NHL, getting that call up to the Buffalo Sabres, you know, showing up at the rink. And then also, I mean, talk about your, your rookie lap, you know, the, your welcome to the NHL moment where you realize like, wow, I'm, I'm here. I'm at the show. Yeah. Um, dream come true. I mean, what, what else could I say about that? It was something I worked for uh, since I was probably four years old, you know, uh, if you read the book, The Outliers, they talk about 10,000 hours. I've put in a heck of a lot more than that. Yeah. Um, and even doing so, there's no guarantee you're ever going to make it to the NHL. Uh, but I was determined to get there come hell or high water, I'll tell you that. Um, I just started, you know, I remember talking to one of my teammates in, in Rochester. Um, so I had a really good, I'll backtrack a little bit. So, Signed with Buffalo out of college, out of Michigan. Uh, went to training camp there. Uh, first year, sent down. You know, they kind of brought me along the old school way. Our coach was Kevin Deneen. I think he was a great coach as well. Um, old school, bring bring the, uh, the young guys, you know, along slowly, make them earn it. And, you know, they made me earn it. I'll tell you that. Uh, back in the day with Buffalo, they didn't even give you – there was no guaranteed preseason games. I'll tell you that they didn't give anybody preseason games. They didn't even give you a sticker on your helmet training camp uh, wow. unless you were going to play in a preseason game. So you knew the guys that, um, you know, were, were closer to making the team than, uh, than you, if they had a sticker on their helmet uh, or they were playing in preseason games uh, fun fact, I played more NHL games than I played preseason games with the Buffalo Sabres. Wow. Um, so grateful for Buffalo for giving me the opportunity to play in the National Hockey League and live out my dream. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I did everything possible to, to make it. Um, I had a really bad shoulder injury that put me out 60 games. Um, came back. Got sent down right away in training camp to the American Hockey League. Uh, they didn't give me a housing letter right away after I'd already played in the American Hockey League for, you know, almost three seasons. Um, had no guarantee I was even going to be on the American League team that year. Um, after this injury, they kind of told me, well, you know, we're not sure where you're going to be yet. 
which was a big wake-up call for me because I saw myself as a veteran um, in that club. Well, they ended up keeping me, started me on the fourth line, worked my way up. And uh, by the end of, end of the season, I uh, grinded and fought my way to, uh, to myself uh, to getting a call-up. And I got a call-up at a crucial time where they were fighting for a, uh, a playoff spot. There were only a couple points out of the playoffs. So I'm really proud of that. I'm, I'm really proud that I didn't give up and uh, that I that I did everything that I possibly could to make it because um, I, I have absolutely no regrets and, and I have uh, nothing but gratitude for the Buffalo Sabres and, and that organization. But um, there's no feeling like putting that jersey on uh, for the first time uh, there's a picture, I have it on some social media, of scoring my first professional or my first NHL goal. Um, in Madison, Who was it against? Uh, Hendrick Lundqvist, no big deal. Oh, man. I was, I was about to ask oh, about no. that goal. Yeah, that don't watch the YouTube video. Let me tell you how I scored. Um, I basically, you know, dangled everybody and uh, <laughs> scored on a breakaway bar down. Don't Google uh, or YouTube it. Uh, no, it was a it was a lucky bounce, but um, you know, uh, I scored a goal in the National Hockey League, and nobody can take that away from me. And um, I think the greatest part about all of that is the excitement from my teammates um, and in the huddle and on the bench. And that's why I love that picture so much. Um, you see guys like Marcus Foligno, who's a really good buddy of mine still. We talk all the time. Um, uh, Derek Roy and, uh, you know, all these guys that had uh, great careers in the National Hockey League who, who still are um, just so excited for me. And, and that's what's so great about hockey, um, you know, and teammates and building these relationships over the years. And uh, it, it's great for the business world, too. You know, I love working with hockey guys and, um, you know, just, just people around the game. It's always fun to to you know, chat about the game and, and do what we're doing here today. Um, it's, it's really fun. So, Who's the most famous person in your phone? Most famous for person in my phone? Um, geez. Uh, Please, I don't is, know. It, is it Taylor Swift? Is it Taylor Swift? <laughs> it is not Taylor Swift. That would be Travis Kelsey, I believe. <laughs> that has her number. Um, uh, I got probably Brett Hall. That's a pretty famous person. Yeah, but I've known him since I was, you know, a young guy. Um, you know, but uh, I don't know, man. It's so hard to say because that's a good one. That, that's a good one. I mean, I like, like he's, yeah, that guy's amazing. So you, yeah. you figure out, you know, all right, we, you're not going to make it in the NHL at, 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 a, at that level for very long. Okay. You, you got your games in and then, how do you get convinced to go play in Germany? Well, and, I, and make that move. Well, uh, I actually didn't think that I wasn't going to play there that long. I thought I was going to play there a long time, and uh, uh, there were some people that had the same opinion as as I did in the organization um, as well that that told me so. Um, unfortunately for me, um, the lockout happened, and I was one of the few unrestricted free agents um, uh, with Buffalo. Um, they did tell me that they they wanted to sign me and that I needed to wait. And, um, you know, it, I ended up uh, 
waiting till I can't remember if it was September uh, or late August. I remember I was on the golf course with Mike McKenna um, and my agent, Elaine Wall, called me and said, hey, I got a couple deals for you. One's in Finland, one's in Dusseldorf, Germany. He's like, look up these uh, cities. But, you know, with the lockout right now and them sending all these players down, um, you know, I mean, with the, if you look at the, the names that we sent down to Buffalo or from Buffalo to Rochester, I mean, it, like we sent down, you know, NHL superstars <laughs> down and back down to the American League that were still on entry level contracts. We just read a lot of them. And, you know, he kind of said, hey, look, like um, don't take too much time and taking one of these deals in the top leagues over in Europe because, you know, guys like. Paul Stasny and Blake Wheeler and Jamie Benn, they're all signing the DEL right now too. Um, So I I basically took a chance on a a good opportunity over there. Did not think I'd be over there long. Um, Probably went over too early, but I do not regret it. Um, Had a great career over there and uh, I I had no idea what to expect. And, And if you guys don't know much about European hockey or the, the, DL or the SHL. I played in both those leagues, mainly in the DL. The fans are uh, incredible over there. I mean, in Cologne, I believe we had like 16 or 17,000 uh, sold out all the time. Dusseldorf's like 13,000 sold out all the time. The cities are amazing. Um, it was it was really great. We got to see the world, play at a high level. I got to play uh, for Team USA in the uh, Deutschland Cup over there, which was another dream of mine to put on the USA uh, sweater uh, ended up getting my German citizenship and learning a new language. Uh, so it was a lot of benefit. Oh boy. Yeah, yeah. So w- would you talk smack in German then? Uh, yeah. But yeah. Usually, usually when I'm mad, I, it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wouldn't say I'm perfect at, uh, you know, Deutsch, but uh, I can definitely speak um, and, and hold a conversation and, I took a four, I think it was like four hours. It could have even been longer in all German. I had to study for that uh, test for months. And uh, now it's cool to have that dual citizenship as well. Yeah. Trav, people here in America, like, like they don't know, like you said, they don't know a ton about those leagues over there. But knowing it and, and knowing some guys that went over there, it it's a pleasure cruise over there for you guys. I mean, you guys go there, you make – Talk about the kind of money. I mean, you guys make pretty pretty good money, right? I mean, decent money over there, and almost everything's paid for. Just talk about the perks of going over there. What kind of money you guys make over there? So playing in, uh, I'll, I'll talk about the you know the DEL because that's where I primarily played. Uh, the, it's called the Penny DEL um, over there in Germany. Um, they you know you well they don't usually they they supply housing uh, a car. Some teams even throw in utilities and healthcare. Um, you really don't have very many bills, um, and you get paid in net contracts um, in euro, which euros are you know worth more than the American dollar, um, at least right now. So you know it's a really good way to play at a really high level, um, see the world. Some guys even come back to the National Hockey League. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, you know some guys ended up playing the Olympics from there. I did not get to play in the Olympics, which was another dream of mine. But um, you know, it's uh, it's it's really really 
great level. I think you'd be surprised. I was ignorant to it before I went there. I did not know anything about it. I did not know which league was a good league and what wasn't. Uh, but I can tell you this for certain. There's a lot of guys in those top leagues in Europe that could come here uh, and step right into NHL lineups and do really well. Do they make NHL money as well or, or like a little bit step below? Yeah, so it's not, all, the high end, not the so, high end, but. Yeah. So it's really hard to say because it's all relative to the teams. Mm -hmm. So if you're familiar with, uh, you know, soccer in Europe, uh, each team spawn has, a di has different sponsors and has different budgets. Um, some leagues have big TV sponsorships like, uh, Sweden, the SHL that I played in, each team gets a certain amount of money, um, you know, from, you know, the TV deals that they have going on. In Germany, you know, uh, some of the teams like Munich, uh, who's sponsored by Red Bull, they have more money than other teams. Uh, leagues like Switzerland and the KHL have, have different money. So it's all relative to the teams. Uh, but I would say, yeah, you know, you're making, you can make a lot of money. Um, over there, uh, over there as well. Um, you know, in the KHL, some guys can make more money than the NHL. Uh, Switzerland, Germany, Sweden, you can make you know more money or as much money as as uh, the top guys in the AHL um, or even more. So you know, it's really hard for me to say, and I, I can't really say because you know I wasn't looking at guys' paychecks. Uh, but this is all just uh, word of mouth. But you know, for us and, and my family. Uh, you know, we made a, uh, a good living over there. Did you uh, did you ever get to play with any former Musketeers in your expansive uh, professional career? Yeah, yeah. So, um, as I was saying before, um, I played with uh, Chris Butler, Tim Kennedy, um, Dennis McCauley in Buffalo system. Um, I played with Justin Boostrom. Dusseldorf in the DL. I played with Jeff Zakoff in uh, Straubing in the DL. I'm trying to think if I'm missing anybody here. Uh, yeah, I've crossed paths with uh, quite a few Musketeers. You know, like I said before, Stephen Camphor um, and I played together in, at Michigan, which was awesome to be able to play with him for so many years. You know, we had th three years at Michigan together and uh, one in Sioux City, so almost – um, you know, consecutively four years, there was a yeah. gap in between, but, um, yeah, it's, it's always nice to have a musketeer walk in the locker room you're in. Is it, is it like a fraternity where if guy comes, new guy comes into the locker room and he's a Sioux city guy, does that, I mean, do you guys immediately kind of gravitate towards each other or, or you have that immediate bond opposed to somebody that, that didn't not, that didn't play in Sioux city? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, geez, even if, even if uh, yeah, especially if we played together, but even if we didn't play together, I would definitely, uh, uh, you know, gravitate, you know, we gravitate towards each other. You know, Max Petrietti and I played together at Michigan too. Yeah. You know, we still keep in touch. Uh, he's, he's a great guy. And, you know, that friendship I'm sure developed uh, from him playing in Sioux city as well, you know, at the beginning too. So, um, you know, it's always fun to talk about, you know, those days in Sioux City and, you know, uh, Wilson, a St. Louis guy that, uh, you know, I would talk to him about, uh, we'd work out together with our trainer, Jeff Lavecchio in St. Louis, which 
Um, a lot of the guys, a lot of the top players in St. Louis work out with. Uh, there's been quite a few Muskies coming there, even guys I, I uh, haven't played with. And, you know, they're definitely – I'm definitely going to, you know, go up to them and at least have a conversation and, and hope that a friendship develops from that. Do, do, do the rivalries – when you go on, you know, you go on to Michigan, you know, you go on the pros and stuff, the guys that you play against, uh, you know, like from Lincoln or for – from whatever, and all of a sudden they're in the same locker room as you. All star games, things like that. What is what is that like um, when you when you've had to battle that guy, or you guys, you know, or trades where a guy comes in and you don't like that person? <sighs> you you played long enough. You got to have a good story about something like that that of guys getting traded to you that, that you're like, I do not like that guy, and he's going to be playing with me now. Yeah, I got to tell it you, happens a lot in hockey, by the way. I mean, you know. Yeah. So there's a lot, there's a big respect factor in hockey, especially if, if that guy's fought you in an honorary way. Uh, you know, I, I was talking to Ryan Hull. Um, you know, he's good buddies with a friend of mine, Brandon Dorado. You know, Brandon's one of my best friends in the world. He's now the head coach at University of Michigan, excuse me. And, um, you know, he's buddies with Ryan from back home. And, you know, after Michigan, you know, we crossed paths a little bit and uh, had a, you know, couple talks about the old days and some of the fights you know, that we had against each other. But there's usually respect there. And, and oddly enough, the people that I usually hate on the other team that are such a pain in the uh, butt, uh, they're usually the guys I end up loving. Uh, <laughs> the guys that are such a pain to play against and are hard to play against are usually great guys. Um, especially the guys that are going to go and stick up for their teammates. I mean, I, there's a good chance they're going to be a good human being, right? So um, there's been, there's definitely been a lot. That's a really good question. And for people that, you know, are have maybe never played the games or are just fans, you know, there's a, I could see a guy after a game, even if we, you know, go toe to toe in a fight. Or, or we fight all the time and, and just have that respect. And uh, it's kind of cool to talk about that stuff. Give me your, was give there, us your, oh, go ahead. Uh, I was said one, one thing. Give us I, your craziest hockey, hockey story, your craziest hockey story of all time. And you look back and go, gosh, that was, that that's a story I got to tell my grandkids. Oh man. Oh gosh. There's just so many stories. It's hard to, uh, <sighs> I, oh, this one's popping in my head right now about a fight I had a guy, uh, against a guy named Richard Clune. Um, and this video is actually on YouTube. It's probably one of the better fights in my career. Uh, Clune is a real tough, tough player. And uh, he asked my roommate, Matt Generous, uh, to fight a couple games prior. And we were playing in the same division. He was in uh, Manchester and I was playing in Portland. Uh, with Dennis uh, McCauley, and uh, he knocked my – so my my roommate, Jenny, was trying to take his helmet off to get ready for the fight. He's a big dude, big, tall guy, and uh, Clune just sprinted at him and knocked his teeth out. And, oh. uh, and then he went around the arena giving this one uh, to the stands, and uh, we didn't play him for – I think we played him like – couple nights later back in Portland and uh, I told Kevin Deneen, who's our coach, I said, uh, do you mind putting me out there to line up against Clooner? I'm going to go in here for uh, 
you know, doing that and embarrassing my, my, my teammate, my roommate, who's a, who's still a good friend of mine and, you know, went out and asked him to go and we dropped the gloves and went toe to toe. And uh, I'm almost embarrassed to this day actually about it. Cause I went in my mind, I was like, I'm going to do what he did. Yeah. I was so jacked up uh, to get him back, you know, to, and it's one of those things like we also talked about earlier with the fights, like, can't let people get away with stuff because they're going to, you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. Um, and I wasn't giving him an inch. And uh, I wanted him to know that, you know, not only is that my buddy and teammate, but, you know, he's going to have to, uh, he's going to have to answer for what he did. And uh, yeah, you'll have to check the video out on YouTube. It's, uh, uh, it's you bagged, So you bagged him? Yeah, it was a really good fight. I wouldn't say uh, I bagged him. I would say, uh, it was a really, really good fight, you know, to go toe to toe with him. It was good enough for you to get up and celebrate though. That's, that's the, yeah. Well, then he started celebrating after the video and then he had to leave the ice uh, cause he was cut or something. And, uh, it was just a funny video, crazy story, but you know, back then in the American league, it was, it was pretty, uh, there was a lot of tough guys there. And uh, it was pretty crazy, you know, with the fights and, and, and the stuff you had to do to, to stick out for yourself to get a little room out there. Yeah. Uh, that's just one of the few or one of the million stories that pops into my head uh, thinking about that. But, you know, Sioux City stories, uh, you know, going to the finals with those guys and, you know, the brawl against Lincoln and, and stuff like that. You know, I think about those often. I actually have a CD at my house of a highlight tape of that season. I, I don't recall who made it for us. It might have been Corey Elkins or somebody. Or, so I, I don't know. Maybe it was a media guy. Whoever it was, thank you for that video. Um, I'll have to see if I even own a DVD player still. Uh, <laughs> I wrote it for my girls to show them. But I'd definitely like to get back to Sioux City. Um, you know, at some point and go to a game and show my girls where I played and lived for a couple of years. Uh, it, it just was an incredible time. and It's a great city. Well, real quickly, real quickly. You, you've mentioned that ball, that brawl against Lincoln a couple of times now. How yeah. well do you remember it and take it, take us through what happened and where, where was it at? What happened? Uh, it was in Lincoln in the playoffs. And I, of course, of course it was in Lincoln. It was, of course it was in, in Lincoln. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I fought whole that time or I might've fought bull. Uh, bull. For those of you that, that don't know, Jared bull went on to the NHL. He had a great NHL career and he was a resident tough guy in the NHL for a long time. Oh, yeah. He was a tough customer in the NHL. So when you dropped him with him, you were, you, you better bring your lunch, your lunch pail. You know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, back in, you know, those days I you know, fought, I think everybody in the league, I, I don't know if there's somebody I didn't fight thinking back now, I remember, geez, you know, when you're young like that, you just want to make it. I maybe even got too, too involved in it sometimes. Uh, but we just had this team and, you know, I've mentioned Dennis McCauley so many times because it's just, we're still so close from those years. And even in the American League, you know, we would stick up for each other. I mean, Dennis is uh, – we would just kind of get – you know, always have each other's back. And, uh, you know, even all the way back in those Sioux City days. So, for whatever it was, you know, we wanted to win that year. We thought it was our year. And, 
You know, we came in with we came within a couple of periods of winning the the Clark Cup that year, um, and and even though we didn't win it, um, you know, still a lot of special memories um, of that year. And yeah, I mean that brawl. I, I just think it gave our team so much confidence. I'm not saying uh, to go out and start a brawl, guys, um, anything like that. You know, it's all it's all situational. Um, but we just I remember us all, you know, in the locker room after that. Uh, we just knew that we were going to win the series after that. Um, so, but like I said, you know, I could keep you guys here all day and talk about stories in Sioux City. I remember my first game in the old odd, uh, my first stall. I was sitting next to Tim Kennedy and how cool it was to play in a, a big arena. Uh, I remember our first game in, uh, you know, the, the Tyson Events Center. And how cool that was. And geez, what a locker room. Uh, still probably one of the nicer locker rooms I ever played in. And uh, I'm sh- if the guys don't know um, how lucky they are to have the, those facilities, I'll let you know right now. I played in uh, some American League, a lot of American League cities uh, that, you know, did not have uh, that nice of a locker room. So uh, be grateful for, for your opportunities. And for every day in a musky jersey uh, they don't last forever and uh yeah give you your all is uh and maybe i know the answer to this after talking about that line brawl but is there a team in the ushl that you just you just hated like every fiber of your being you're just like i do not like these guys uh their entire way of life is just wrong was there a team in the league that was like that for you yeah i mean it, I, I would have to look at my fight curve, but I would say I probably have more fights against Lincoln than anybody. Um, they were just a tough team. They were just a big, mean, tough team. But, you know, we had a lot of guys, too, that could fight um, and, and stand our own. You know, Christian Manella, he was always getting involved. And, you know, Butsy, Chris Baller, he, he'd jump in sometimes. And, you know, we team toughness. We, we were really just team tough. Um but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's tough to not have that crazy rivalry, excuse me, with, uh, you know, Sioux Falls or Omaha as well because they're right there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that season, you know, we were always going at it with Lincoln because we were both just closer in the standings. Um, so, you know, kind of varied year per year. I think, um, you know, the year before that, Tri-City and uh, Omaha, we were kind of going to more battles with them, so. I mean, as long as it's the Western Conference, usually the answer is not wrong. So. Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was uh, it was fun times for sure. Well, hey, Trav, we appreciate all all you. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time to be with us today, and relive some memories and um, tear open some old wounds and, so, and some old memories as well, and and really let Musketeer Nation out here uh, get reacquainted with you and uh, let let us you know for you to tell us what's going on in your life now and, and rehash it all. We really appreciate you, you doing it. And of course, as you know, you're always welcome back here in Sioux city. You'll always be a musketeer. You'll always have a home here in Sioux city. And uh, once, once a musketeer, always a musketeer, my man. So thanks for stopping by today. I appreciate it. Well, thank you gentlemen. It was uh, fun to jump here on the show with you guys. I still have a million more stories about Sioux city. So if you ever uh, want me back on, I'd be happy to do so. It, uh, it was really fun reliving some of those days in a Sioux City jersey. Um, 
Yeah, best of luck to the Muskies this year. I'll be watching. And uh, Sioux City Fan Nation, love y'all. Um, I'll be watching from Alabama. So thanks for all the support all the, uh, over all the years. Um, you know, I've definitely had a lot of Sioux City fans reach out to me. And feel free to reach out to me, um, you know, for anything. Um, you know, if you want to talk about hockey or mortgage stuff or anything my dms are open and uh it's been a pleasure guys absolutely i did want to say, i looked back at the game logs on hockey reference uh for for travis here shot number one in the nhl got past henrik lundquist i don't know how many guys can say <laughs> you were one for one you were your first for wait, wait, okay we gotta stop now do you mean to tell me that your first shot in the nhl was a goal and it was against henrik lundquist i didn't that even know that i didn't know it was my first what shot what a yeah. stat! <laughs> one fight, that one goal. Yeah, one fight, one goal, three games. Not a bad stat line. Uh, um, you know, St. Louis Blues or Buffalo. You know, if you need somebody. No, I'm <laughs> 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 um, now, any of the teams in the NHL. Um, what a uh, what a fun time it was to be a professional hockey player. Uh, Got to thank God, you know, for him allowing me to. Uh, Played professionally for 15 years and, and play in wonderful cities like Sioux City and Ann Arbor and go to the University of Michigan too. So uh, thank you guys so much for having me on. And, you know, I'm around if you guys want to have me on again uh, at some point. I'm here, like I said. So Turnbull too, but your time here was worth that stat right there. I mean, you <laughs> can tell everybody, you tell everybody, yeah, I, I played in the NHL, scored on my first shot against the guy you might, I mean, against Henry Lundquist. I mean, it's, it's not a big deal though. I don't want to talk about it. Not a big deal. Don't worry. You know, yeah. I mean, that is, that is a great stat. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, sometimes, uh, our, sometimes our, things work out. That's a, that's Cracker Jack statting right there by Connor Ryan, ladies and gentlemen. That's, that's what you get with Connor. He just, yeah. Jack. Thanks man. I didn't even know that stat. Um, I thought I had a couple, uh, a couple shots before that. I didn't even, realize so uh, they didn't count at least <laughs> yeah, well they would have gotten them if i did i know I, had a, I i know i hit the crossbar in the next game against minnesota um that would have been nice if that one went in too yeah i might still be there right now <laughs> no, tough to i mean batting a thousand against henry Lundquist. uh he might he might be the only one ever so uh he yeah. might he, that could easily be. I, maybe I'll have to go back and look it up. Who's I did get tagged. I did get tagged in a Twitter post uh, a couple months ago that said I was the only player to play uh, three games or less for Buffalo to score a goal. I think that's what it said. Great Don't quote me on it. I'll have to check it on Twitter, but check that out. Uh, great, check great a couple of records in the NHL. No great big. trivia. That's great trivia. Yeah, fantastic trivia. And fact, my daughter. Um, Bradley is playing softball here. My oldest daughter, she's wearing number nine, uh, like I did in Sioux City. So, there it's it cool. is. and she didn't even she she saw that fight. Uh, there's a picture uh, of me on Facebook where I'm in a fight against um, a guy in Tri City, and my arms like up in the air. And she saw number nine. She goes, "Dad, I'm gonna wear number nine because I saw that you you wore that uh, you wore that back in Sioux City." So, That's awesome. Yeah, cool, cool story uh, about her. So, 
Well, you bring the family back sometime, and we'll have you drop the puck, and we'll get we'll get you reacquainted with everybody here in Sioux City soon. Oh, that would be amazing. I'm I'm all open for it. All right, buddy. All right, thank you guys. Absolutely. Uh, thanks again to Travis Turnbull for joining us. Again, just a reminder: Musketeers home opener coming up this Friday, seven oh five puck drop party on the Plaza. Tickets available now here at the Tyson Events Center, or give us a call. Uh, this has been another fantastic episode of Musketeer Made, presented by Fremont Tire. I'm Connor Ryan. Travis Morgan. We'll see everybody at the Tyson Events Center on Friday night. Talk to you later, everybody. Oh,